Hi everyone to our whole Prodeo family, um, everyone watching on Seals Course and just especially to you if you're watching today for the first time. From my side, a warm welcome. We're so glad that you are joining us today. It is nice and cool weather in Cape Town and I don't know about you guys but I felt this week was so unproductive. It's like in the mornings I want to get up early my alarm goes off and it's dark outside and it's cold and I hear the rain on the roof so then I snooze and then when my alarm goes off again it's still dark and I'm like come on how are you supposed to get going in weather like this if you've struggled this week with a with a bit of unproductivity you just wanted to lie in your bed and stay all cozy just send me in the comments a thumbs up and I know I'm not the only one who's struggling with awesome weather like this but we are busy with a series called fearless and today is actually a very special Sunday. It is Pentecost Sunday, the Sunday that we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples, on, on the world. But the disciples walked out of there with the fearlessness, with the boldness to do incredible things for God because they were equipped with the Spirit of God. And in a time like this, during this whole COVID-19 thing and lockdown and, and the lockdown restrictions that are going to be moving to level three and everything, it's such a crazy and a scary time. And it's so easy for us to feel a little afraid or to live with a bit of anxiety. And that's why we started this series, because I really believe we can live fearlessly in times of hardship and difficulty and pain. And we are talking about the book of Esther because the book of Esther is filled with characters that faced incredibly challenging situation, but still they responded with fearlessness. And today we're going to talk, be talking about one, I think that's probably one of the most difficult things to face. Those are the moments when we feel powerless, when we feel like things are getting out of control in our lives, like we do not have control anymore. And I don't know about you, but I really struggle when things feel like I have no control over them, when it's just out of my control. And I think especially during this time in the world, people are feeling out of control. And therefore today our topic is fearless when you are not in control. How do we remain fearless when we are not in control? A couple of years ago, I was in a car accident. I was driving my little Kia Picanto in the left lane and a huge truck came past me in the right hand lane and then decided to come over to the left lane while I was still next to him. And I just remember I felt like the shock in the car and the, the bull bar of the truck got a hold of the back of my car and then like just swam my whole car right in front of him. He hit the car with his bull bar. I started like, I just remember that feeling of like, no matter what you do with your steering, you're just spinning out of control. And I was rolling across the road. And it is such a scary feeling, right? Because when you're turning the steering wheel and nothing is happening, that is not a nice feeling. And in life, it can feel the same way. And if you're a perfectionist, if you're a fixer, if you're a person who likes being in control, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you know, by the way, that OCD is a coping mechanism that people who like to be in control often use when things in life start to feel out of control. So when you feel like this whole pandemic and lockdown has left you out of control when it comes to your business or something, you might go into OCD mode when it comes to your house because that way we cope and we feel like I'm in control of one thing in my life while something else is out of control. 
Today, we're going to try to find a healthier way to deal with this than OCD. How do we live fearlessly when things are out of our control? And if you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Esther 6. Today we are at Esther 6. Next week will be our last time that we will be in the book of Esther. And I want to give you a bit of background because the story is getting really interesting now. If you haven't been reading it, go back um, after the service and just go and read the first couple of chapters and see how the story is unfolding. But here's a bit of background. Esther became the queen of the Persian um, kingdom, of the Persian empire. King Xerxes I was still the, the ruler. And um, he had this guy, Haman, who was his second in command. Now, Mordecai was Esther's cousin who also raised her. But Mordecai finds out about this assassination attempt on the king in chapter 2. He tells Esther, she tells the king, boom, king's life is saved. Mordecai doesn't get any recognition. His name is just written down in a book. Then in chapter 3, Haman, because Mordecai doesn't want to bow to Haman like he would to a god, Haman gets so angry that he decides he's going to kill not only, Haman, not only Mordecai, but all the Jews. In chapter 5, the story continues when he sees Haman, he sees, Haman sees Mordecai again, and he gets so angry, he decides... Um, after the advice of his friends, that he's going to erect a 23 meter long pole on which he will impale Mordecai. So this guy is furious. He's just like he hates Mordecai. So he builds this pole and he's got this plan to finally kill Mordecai. And now we are at that moment where he comes to the king. He's on his way to the king to ask him if he can kill, if he can impale Mordecai. And this is what happens. Um, Esther 6 verse 1. That night the king could not sleep. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bithana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and what recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him. His attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court at this moment? Like in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. We don't know what time this is, but he couldn't sleep. Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court, bringing in, bringing in the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now you can go and read the couple of verses after this, but Haman thinks that the king wants to honor him. So he gives this elaborate plan of marching him through the streets so that people could honor him. And then he tells the king about this plan because he thinks it's for him. And then this is what happens in verse 10. The king says, go at once, the king commanded Haman, get the robe, he's the, the king's own robe, and the king's horse, and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So now Haman had to like parade Mordecai through the streets, and then he had to shout out like, this is a man the king wants to honor. So Haman, he got the robe and the horse, 
He robed Mordecai, led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. And afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief. Now, this is such a beautiful story to me. It's like that pivotal moment. You know in a movie where, where everything builds up to this moment when the hero is fighting the villain. And, and then finally, like, the, the villain just beats this guy up. The hero is lying in a puddle of his own blood. He's like, we're like, oh, he's going to lose. There's no hope left. You know, like when your heart is pounding and you're sitting on the edge of your seat. But then suddenly, like, the hero thinks about his, his wife and his kid. And he gets, like, new energy. And, and the whole story pivots. This is like that moment where the story pivots. The Jews are about to be exterminated. Mordecai, the only one who was pushing Esther to speak to the king, who was standing against it, he's about, like literally, according to Haman's plan, about to be a couple of minutes from now, be impaled on a 23 meter high pole. There is no hope left. Your heart is pounding. You do not know that the moment is coming. This is our moment in the story. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like your hands are tied? Like you're backed into a corner? The moment that you know your, your business cannot continue, cannot continue to pay salaries. The moment you, you know that the divorce papers are on the way, you have tried, but it doesn't seem to be working out. That moment that you know you're facing insolvency because you just can't continue to pay your home. Or you're afraid of being kicked out. Your landlord has already called you three times and you keep pressing the little red telephone so you don't have to speak to him. The moment you receive a medical report that tells you that you have an illness that they have no cure for. Those are the moments that we start to feel like God is absent. Where we feel like, God, where are you? And this is the moment, and we, we know more of the story because we just read it. But in that moment, it seems like God is absent, like God has withdrawn th from them. And maybe in the moments when you face difficulty and challenges like, like, like what I just described, maybe you have felt like God has withdrawn from you. Maybe you're still struggling to just believe in Jesus. And, and you're like, God, where are you in the moments when I need you? And I want to tell you today, if we believe this whole issue where we feel like God has withdrawn from us in difficult moments, that whole issue develops from a lie that we believe, a lie that tells us that God is only with us, that God is only good, that God is only for us, when everything in our life is good. I want to tell you, when we believe lies about God, when we have the wrong beliefs about God, it leads to unnecessary disappointment. It could feel at that moment like God was unfair because Haman up to this point was getting all the promotions and Mordecai, even though he saved the king's life, was just mentioned in a, in a, in a book about the king's reign. 
He didn't get anything for it. It could have felt unfair because the Jews has loved God. They've not only been living in exile in another country, but now they're going to be wiped out. Mordecai has been serving God. He's been standing up for the people. He's about to be killed. It could feel in that moment like God is missing and like God is not for them, like God doesn't care about the people. But believing lies about God, believing that God is only for us when things in our life is good, when things in our life is perfect, when things are going according to plan, those lies lead to a place where we feel fear, where we feel despondent, and where we start to feel depressed. Not because we have to feel those things, not because God is not for us, but because we have the wrong belief system about our God. We need to have a right understanding of God. Did you know that in the book of Esther, God is not mentioned once by name? Not once. Does it mean that God is absent? Does it mean that God doesn't care about the people in the book of Esther? And I want to tell you the answer is a big no. God does care about them. Just as I believe, even if you feel like God is absent from your story at the moment, The same reason why I believe God is not absent in the story of Esther is the same reason I believe God is not absent in your life. And I want to share with you this today why I'm saying no, God is not absent. The book of Esther is filled with coincidences. Let me tell you about one. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Haman is on his way to ask the king, can I kill Mordecai on my 23 meter pole? And during that night... Coincidentally, the king cannot sleep. Coincidentally, he asks one of his, his servants to come and read to him the chronicles of his reign. It's like, what about some warm milk? Dude? Like, bring me warm milk to sleep or play me beautiful music on a harp. He's like, no, come and read me the long, boring history of my reign. Maybe that will put me to sleep. For suddenly, he remembers, coincidentally, he remembers the man that saved his life. And he asks, like, what has been done for him? At that moment, Haman walks in. What's the chance of that? He's like, who's available? They're like, Haman. Haman literally gives him this whole thing of how Mordecai should be honored without him knowing it's, they are talking about Mordecai. He is planning to kill Mordecai. I'm like, come on, guys. How many coincidences could happen? It's just crazy, right? But this is the thing that I've learned about God. God is weaving all the seemingly insignificant details of your life into His perfect plan for you. Many times without us even being aware of it. You see, Mordecai wasn't even aware of anything at this moment. He didn't even know he was about to be killed. But God is weaving all these little details into His perfect master plan. You see, God is at work behind the scenes, even when you are, you and I are not aware of it. Even when it feels like God is missing, even when it feels like God is not for us, even when it feels like my prayers are not getting through, God is still at work. God was never absent in the book of Esther, although he's not mentioned. And God is not absent in your life. He is at work behind the scenes. When no one notices, God is still at work. God is still in control. And God is still working out his beautiful plans. 
I want to ask you today, help me to preach these beautiful words. Let's get on the comment line and, and why don't you just type this in, send it out into the world. Help me preach this. God is at work behind the scenes even when you are not aware of it. It's often the small things in life that we don't even seem to notice that determines the direction of our lives. It's so crazy, Yolanda and I were studying at the same university. We had the same group of friends. I had the same friends that Yolanda had for four years and we never met once. And then one day, randomly, at a different university, we studied at Pretoria, at the University of Potchefstroom, I randomly ran into this girl. It was love at first sight. And it's this amazing story of how she gave her life to Jesus just before that moment. Everything just fell into place so perfectly. And at that moment, through all these random coincidences, I met the love of my life. We've been married for 10 years. It's been an awesome journey. And I will not trade her in because there is no better model. I married up. I love her so much. But it was these little details that you and I don't even notice. It is the timing that you and I don't even notice. But things had to be ripe for that meeting to happen, for us to fall in love, for us to marry. Things, the timing had to be right for Haman to walk into the king's court at that moment. You see, and we can believe a lie that God is missing in action. And we can believe that our miracle is not coming because we don't see it playing out the way that we think it should play out. But miracles are not just about what happens. You see, miracles are often not just about the what, but about the when. We believe we're not getting our miracle. We believe God is not absent because I'm not seeing the thing that I was hoping to see. But in the meantime, something else is happening at the perfect timing that I don't even notice. And that is still a miracle because the when is just as important as the what. If I met Yulandi at the wrong time, we might not have been married. We might not have been friends. If Haman walked in at the wrong time, this miracle wouldn't have taken place. And I know it is hard to stay positive and I know it is hard to stay fearless when God seems absent, when God seems far, when things are difficult. Especially when things seem to work out for everyone except for, for you, right? But you've got a choice to make. Settle. You can either settle into your wrong belief about God, that God is, is absent, that God doesn't care about you, that God is not for you, that God is not at work. And then you can live with the disappointment, with the despair, with everything that goes with that wrong belief. Or you can choose to trust in His promises, to trust in His timing, to trust in His love for you. That by the way, He already proved when Jesus died on the cross, He proved His love to us. But it's your choice. Here's what I love about our God. Haman had this plan to destroy Mordecai. But in an instant, the story turns around 180 degrees. The king gives honor to Mordecai. And this whole episode where Haman wants to ask the king to kill him turns into a moment where Mordecai, instead of being being lifted up and, and impaled on a pole. He's lifted up on the king's horse for all the people to see him. Can you imagine in verse 10, like what Haman, like what his face must have looked like when he realized what was going on? 
when he realized the, the, this whole story that he planned for himself to, to bring honor to himself, that, that he now had to, to guide Mordecai through this process. We read at the end of what we read today that he went home and his head was covered in grief. The man who planned to cause grief to Mordecai, now his head was covered in grief. You see, God is busy unfolding a plan that no one could have understood at that time. No one, it doesn't make sense when you read all this stuff being planned against God's people. It doesn't make sense in the moment. But God is busy unfolding a beautiful and a perfect plan. When you don't understand why God allows difficult things in your life to happen, when you don't understand why it feels like God is absent, I want to tell you, God is at work behind the scenes and He is not finished yet. God is not finished with you. God is not finished with your story. God is not finished yet. And no matter what you're facing, no matter how impossible it seems, no matter how out of control things are, God can turn your situation around. And you can give up. You can believe lies. You can try to cope with OCD and trying to control other things. But at the end of the day, that will only increase your fear. It will only increase your anxiety. I want to trust God. I want to believe that He is working behind the scenes and I want to believe that He's not finished it because that is His truth. So what are you going to do when things feel out of control? And maybe things already feel out of control. Maybe in the next couple of weeks as this pandemic gets worse, maybe then things will start to feel out of control. But at some point in life you will face a moment when everything feels out of control and what are you going to do in those moments. I want to stand strong and fearless in the knowledge that God never abandons me. Even if it feels that way, He doesn't. Even if His name seems to be missing from the book, He is still in the story. I want to stand strong and fearless in the knowledge that He is at work, even when I don't see it, that He is at work behind the scenes of my life, and that He is unfolding His perfect plan for my life. That's what I want to hold on to. And that is how I believe we exchange fear for boldness. So I want to encourage you today. If you have not surrendered, your most difficult circumstances, your out of control moments to God yet. Why don't you make a decision to do that today? Why don't you make a decision to trade in the lies you believe about God? And why don't you accept His truth? Why don't you live in His promises? Why don't you live fearlessly during hard times? Let's pray. God, thank you. That even when you seem to be absent, you have never abandoned us. You never leave us alone. You never give up on us. You never leave our story unfinished. And I pray today for every person who's, who's listening to this. Every person who feels like the world is spinning out of control. Like they're backed into a corner. Like there's no hope. I pray, God, that, that your timing will be so perfect that you would intervene and that you would bring about the change that only the living God can.
Thank you that on this day, on Pentecost Sunday, that we can remember your spirit was poured out. That your spirit is with us and that your spirit empowers us to live with fearlessness and boldness and with the power of Jesus alive inside of us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. This is such a special Sunday. And as you might have heard, the president spoke about um, the call that churches have had to, to make today a day of prayer. And do you know at this day, before the Spirit was poured out, that is what the church were doing. They were gathered together praying. So today, right after this, we're going to connect on Zoom. The link, link will appear. Um, our kids' video will still go live at 10.30. Um, so some of you might jump onto that. Some of you might join us for live prayer. Um, or you can watch the video afterwards. But our prayer moment will be live on Zoom. It won't be recorded. So if you want to join us to pray for our country, to pray for this pandemic, to pray for our economy, to pray for our churches, to pray for revival, to pray for a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit on His people, this is the time to do it. So please jump on Zoom after, after this message. Join us. And um, about five minutes after this message, it, it, the, the portal will be open, but then we're going to start praying. And you don't have to be a prayer warrior or a, a, an intercessor to pray. Okay? If you've got two words of prayer to say, God, change our situation, that's enough. So please join us for, for that today. Um, then also, you, you know that the president have been talking about church meetings opening up. We are still as a church waiting for the final details of this. But we also know that since we were meeting in a hotel, we won't be able to meet anyway um, as it's not as hotels are still closed. But we will continue to monitor, monitor what's going on. We will continue to listen. We will continue giving through details to you. But know that we are always interested in two things. How do we best serve the people of God? And how do we make a difference in the world? So we do not want to expose you to unnecessary Siri and um, difficult and, and hard things facing us as a choice like that. But we also don't want to be the cause of a virus spreading throughout our community because we as Christians should be a blessing to our community. That's what we want to be. So um, connect to our social media, please, and stay up to date with what is going on. And then lastly, Please remember to stay faithful with your tithing. Our church cannot survive. Just no business can survive without income. Our church cannot to continue, cannot continue to do the work that God has called us to do if you don't continue to be faithful in your tithing and your offerings. So um, I'm going to hand over and then you will get the details of how you can continue to support our church. Thank you for watching today. Ciao. Thank you for being a part of our online service today. If you enjoyed the service and feel you want to contribute to what Brodeo is doing, consider giving financially to our church. There's two ways you can do that. The first way is through our banking details and the second way is through Snapscan. Both of these steps is available on our website. You can just go to www.brodeo.org.za forward slash give or you can follow the link below in the comments. If you enjoyed the video, Please share it to everyone you know. We want more people to connect to life-changing relationships. That is it from us. Bye.